0: In 2016, Earth detected a signal from an unknown region of space with no observable stars. The contents of this signal appears to be a series of data packets and a decryption key. Once decrypted, the data contained a number of logged entries from two planets in a binary system. Using the translation matrix sent in the data packet, researchers have translated the entries into English. The following transmissions were declassified and given to us to present.
1: Log entry, Haimavina 16, 2275, 75th year in the age of ascendance. Hey, hey, Gisto. Don't worry about your father. He's like all fathers. Besides, what is he really going to say to his kid's friend? When my father meets my friends, he has two topics of conversation, the weather and farhoons. <laughs> I think he never knows what to say. My mother, on the other hand, is more of the social parent. I have friends that still regard my mother as a second mother to them. Oh, she loves it. I can tell by the way your father speaks about you that he's incredibly proud of you. And I can see why you strove to work so hard in school. I imagine that he set some pretty high expectations. (laughs) I understand that very well. My grandmother still pushes me to chase the next gust of wind. But I guess if we didn't have those people in our lives, we would not be where we are today. It's great to hear how well you're doing the Diplomatic Corps. And I'm happy for you, but I'm not surprised. You always succeed in everything you do. I assume by the time you receive this message, you have already returned from the southern coast. What did you end up finding? To answer your question about the volcano, yes, the eruption was natural. You almost sound suspicious enough to be a Yothian. (laughs) That's probably my fault. The Twin Sisters mountain range is part of a network of volcanic rifts that cross the entire planet. And there are probably hundreds of dormant and active volcanoes. Haimovina is a geologically active world, and aside from volcanoes, we have yard scalfi, avalanches, geysers, and hot springs. And that's just on the ground. The atmospheric phenomenon, including the lights, can be stunning and mystifying. Haimovina is very much alive, and my people have grown attuned to her rhythms. Some say she even has moods. Many believe that the Onda was a direct result of us failing to care for our world, and Haimavina retaliated by killing most of our population. She's a fascinating world, but she's not always kind. You're right to comment that death outside of the normal circle of life is very personal to us. I don't mean to imply that death does not impact your people as well. But our cultural traditions stem from the aftermath of the Cittasanda. We don't exactly know how many were lost, but we know it was nearly everyone on the planet. We will mourn the 27 who died in the aftermath of Anaphial. But we also honor them, because they died saving others, or continuing to send data even when there was no hope they would survive. I want to believe that says something good about us, but it probably means that we're always getting into trouble and getting lucky in the end. In the past 2,000 years, Yothians have learned to live on Haimavina. We've built our lives and our cities using what Haimavina provides, and without causing her harm. I know it sounds superstitious, And some people question it as technology advances, but it is really ingrained into our way of thinking in the way that even expansionists understand. We incorporate her natural resources without abusing them. For example, we use geothermal heating and cooling for our buildings, hydroelectricity, wind power, and more. And underlining everything is the knowledge that Haima can give life just as easily as she can take it away, because she has. This balance is one of the main reasons we are so interested in our ancestors. How did they get so advanced? How did they create what they did? How did they build it on moons? The more we learn about them, the more alien they seem to us. How did they manage to achieve so much without angering Haim Avena? When I saw that computer greenhouse, I was overwhelmed by the realization that our ancestors invented that. That a mudslide buried that marvel under hundreds of meters of mud is devastating. Even the pictures coming in from the exploration on Bradith and Randir almost don't even seem real. Every time I see them, I have to remember they're not sets from an astro broadcast. <laughs> anyway, so you have food shortages, sanctions, and blockades. <laughs> that sounds like terrible challenges to face. I think I hear hope in your voice that things may be stabilizing and that in turn gives me hope. But sometimes hope isn't enough. I've been thinking about food production on Haimavina. I was home not long ago on vacation and spent time with my parents in their greenhouses. What, I'm a farmer's daughter after all. Anyway, have you considered constructing greenhouses? I'm probably not saying anything you don't already know, but a greenhouse is an enclosed space, usually made of glass or other clear material that is climate controlled so plants can grow year round or in places that plants don't normally grow. Traditional greenhouses on Haimavena rely on sunlight to keep the interior warm, even in winter. In the last hundred years or so, we have built larger industrial facilities that have artificial lighting and irrigation that mimic the preferred growing conditions for specific plants. Inside the greenhouse, plants can be grown in the ground, in boxes, or even in containers full of water and nutrients. The facility can be set up to support almost any type of plant, Food grows much faster than normal due to stable temperatures and nutrients. You mentioned how much of the continents on Vila rely on each other for food. A greenhouse could give some independence to areas that don't produce as much food. Also, they can be built pretty much anywhere. We have a lot of these structures on roofs of buildings in cities across Heimavina. The weather can be extreme on this planet and a greenhouse is almost essential for our food production. My parents met in school while they were both working on a project researching large greenhouses for fruit tree production and ended up designing a new type of greenhouse that allows the trees to grow faster and still yield a large amount of food. Now they own one of the largest greenhouse operations in the capital region. They give tours through these particular greenhouses and it's like walking through an edible forest. My father likes to remind my grandmother how successful this has been and often mutters under his breath, not bad for playing in the dirt when she can't hear him. Well, I guess you can take the girl out of the greenhouse, but you can't take the greenhouse out of the girl. This is probably way more than you ever wanted to know about food production in Haima Vina, but maybe it'll be helpful. I can't wait to tell my news director that our broadcast got such wide play on Vila. I think Eric and I can leverage that for a salary bump. (laughs) All kidding aside, I'm happy to hear that our tragedy helped bring the council and other groups together and began to look at the bigger picture. I'm sure the process will be slow, and not without setbacks. But you can't sail the world if you never leave the dock. However, if someone discovers a way to predict volcanic eruptions, I'm sure EC would be very interested to hear about that. Take care of yourself out in the open waters. Area.
2: Log entry, Vela 16 Vela Rotat 2597 Cycle 4 of the first annul. Dear friend Iria, Unfortunately, I am still out in southern Sonoth on the coast for this signal source extraction. The whole process has been taking up so much time. They needed to assemble all of the teams involved and essentially construct a field laboratory in order to coordinate all of the efforts. I could probably go into all of the details of building an entire laboratory encampment in a remote region but I feel you already know what that's like firsthand. There's a lot of hurry up and wait involved with getting the right people in the right place. I made sure to keep father updated on the progress and let him know that I would handle communication. He wanted to send you something back after the latest reply. I believe he said she's clearly speaking to me and not you. So given the conclusive evidence presented, I should be the one to reply. I told his assistant to show him the latest findings from our signal research here, and that has apparently distracted him enough to let me send this back to you. I think he may be more excited about this research than I am, and I'm very excited. The work your school has done with the greenhouses sounds fascinating. I know that some smaller greenhouses are in use around Vela, but the weather has never really allowed us to grow the scale of them enough to be a significant source for food production. I have mentioned your descriptions to some of the scientists and engineers on the diplomatic corps that are involved in building out the laboratory, and they are sending messages back to La'ar to see if some sort of information exchange can start with Haimavina. This could help a lot with some of the import issues, but I'm not sure how Chonar will feel about it. Food is a primary export for them, and if we start using help from outside to undercut that, it could cause more problems too. I guess it's a matter of finding the right balance to make everyone happy. At least the diplomatic corps will have plenty of work, right? So I'm sure that you're nipping at the bait to know what we've found. I can just imagine you screaming at your terminal, WHAT IS the SIGNAL SOURCE? Well, I will explain that just after I talk in-depth about the process of milking a Sakee. Kidding. The signal source that we found was... A sea slug. Named Iria. Okay, also kidding the dive team managed to locate the source and are preparing to bring it up to the surface. The imaging devices have captured some stunning photos of the device, and it looks amazing. It also looks a lot like a satellite, though not any type of satellite that we've ever seen before. And it looks like it's been down there for a very long time. Some of the local villains have said that there are a few stories about a star falling from the heavens. I know, I know, this sounds familiar, but this one landed here, near the coast which doesn't track with any of the ancient myths of the origin of La'ar, and this only happened within the last few hundred rotats. They say that a group of Velen's all got together to investigate and, knowing what happened in Senoth, they were terrified of the star and hauled it off on a skiff. They took it out into the sea and dropped it into the ocean. We have sent a team out to try and find where a possible landing site could be, but it looks like all information about it sank with the device. I'm starting to wonder if we should be less worried about something like a volcano spouting up and more worried about all these stars that keep falling down to Vela. The markings on the object look very strange and not in any language that I'm familiar with. We have been sending images back to La'ar and the teams there are swirling with excitement, father included. Once the device is recovered, we will be packing it up as best as possible and preparing it for transport back to La'ar. Because of the sensitive nature of the device, They have ruled out taking it via air skiff so it will be loaded onto a skiff and i will yet again be sailing back home between that and the railways to laar the entire journey will take a few annuals i've been focused so much on the research here but i'm distracted with the idea of all the findings you mentioned with bradith and randir did they manage to get a manned mission to the moons yet there has been talk of looking into sending a Velen up but i think we're still a ways off It's a nice distraction to think about the idea of waking up on a different planet. It keeps my mind off the upcoming skiff voyage. If I keep it up, hopefully I won't lose my lunch again. You know what's worse than badly cooked sea kelp souffle? Tasting that same sea kelp souffle coming back up. Thankfully, the new weather satellites that we have launched have been keeping an eye on the storms in the region, and we should have some smooth sailing back to Senoth. I often wonder how the ancient Velen sailors ever managed to get anywhere without knowing the weather patterns. Some of the old-timers we have met here on the coast say they can feel it in their fins when a storm is coming. This just causes blank stares from the scientists here. I don't know, maybe some people are just made for sailing. I am not. May the waves guide us, but may they do it smoothly. Justo.
1: Log entry, Hymavina 17, 2277, 77th year in the age of Ascendance. Hey, hey, Gisto, happy 30th anniversary. Can you believe it? It has been just over 30 years since you sent me that first message. If you were here on Hymavina, we would be having a party. Our friends would be giving a myriad of toasts, and there would be lots of drinking, dancing, and storytelling. It is celebrations like this that the simple stories take on legendary characteristics. I'm sure most of our best tales share similar histories. And of course, there would be food. Gisto, so, anniversary feasts can be quite exquisite. But sadly, you're not here. So it's just me and you for the final toast. When you're reading this, imagine me standing up with a glass, my hand and a fist over my heart, looking at you. And then I would say, I'm glad we we're friends, Gisto. I'm glad that your father brought that signal system so we could meet. You have been there for me through a lot, and I honor you. You are family, blood, and soul. Gisto. Thank you for your friendship." You would then stand, clasp my hand, and we would say, Vindertel Anda, which means friends to the end. And then we would down our drinks and everyone would cheer. This of course would be followed by lots of cheering and more drinking. It's even more rowdy than I'm describing, but these are not parties to be missed, even the shyest Mana will attend. It's fitting that the epic part of our story, that this joyous anniversary comes at a sad time too. Luna passed away a few months ago. She was over 30 years old, which is a pretty normal lifespan for our farhoon. She was getting pretty old, but she went the way she loved best, getting fed fermented shark meat in front of the fire and getting her big belly rubbed What a goof she was. (laughs) She was my pet, my companion, but most importantly, she was my friend. Everyone seems to have a Luna story when they find out she's passed. It's pretty sweet how many people she touched or slobbered on. (laughs) I'm getting misty again. I miss that furball. My father keeps threatening to bring me one of his. Yeah, he only gave one away to the neighbors. He kept the others. It's really hard to say no, but I think I will wait. My neighbor Lars has a male Farhoon that I watch when he's gone for work. Floki is actually bigger than Luna, and I'm embarrassed to say, way more well-behaved, even though he's only a couple years old. Floki is currently up on the roof with me, laying at my feet. If this was Luna, she would be lounging on the chair with me, or attempting to get into my lap, or resting her huge head on my keyboard. But Floki's just there, he's a very sweet boy, walks without a harness and won't dive headlong into any body of water. Which is good for Lars, because he's a racing segbet designer. He's currently out testing the new segbet for the annual Reika race. Anyway, according to Lars, Loki just sits on the deck with his head turned into the wind, like a little sentinel watching over his water. <laughs> no way Luna would have done that. I had to harness her down the last time she was on a segbet. She even pulled a cleat straight out of the deck to jump into the water. Luna. So, your team found an ancient satellite. That's incredible. Is this different from the stories about the legend of the star that landed on La'ar? I guess it proves we were both right, that it was just a satellite and not a star. We have never found anything from another planet before, unless you count our ancestors, who are so far removed from us, they essentially feel like aliens. Even Velans seem like neighbors in comparison. Speaking of the ancients... ECal landed on Braddock. I watched the landing from the JCN studios, and it was such an incredible achievement for all mana. Watching the first steps as I walked around the station was an incredible experience. It is much larger than we ever imagined. Multiple landing pads, airlocks, and freestanding structures. It was overwhelming. It was disappointing, but not surprising to discover that the doors on the station were locked. Fortunately, Cooler heads prevailed, and nobody hooked up a random power source to open a door for fear of breaking yet another piece of ancient tech. ECAL chalked this up as a recon mission, and has already announced plans to bring more equipment to break into the facilities. The excitement is unimaginable, Justo. People are practically demanding that ECAL violate the safety protocols to get more equipment up there. I can't wait to tell you more about this. Safe journeys back to Sonoth area.
0: Log Entry Vela 17, Vela Rotat 2599, Cycle 20 of the 5th Anul Dear Iria, Let me introduce myself. My name is Amai, I work with Dezin at the laboratories. I've been his assistant for more Rotats than I can count. Gisto wanted to reply back, but has been unavailable for the last few cycles since returning to Laar. Shortly before Gisto's return, Dezin became ill. The doctors here are trying to figure out what's wrong, but haven't yet. It's possible that his sickness is just due to age, and the stress he's been putting on himself lately. Gisto has stayed by his father's side at the clinic since his return. Dizen seems to be on the mend and expected to make a full recovery. I think Gisto coming home, so Dizen doesn't have so many things to worry about, has helped. We're very sorry to hear about Luna's passing. Since becoming Dizen's assistant, I've been involved in all the transmissions and communications with Gisto for, for many rotats, so I, I feel like I know you. Is that strange? Luna meant a lot to all of us here. I took your transmission to the clinic and read it to both Jisto and Desin. Jisto actually got up and stepped outside for a while. Since we don't tend to keep animals here, I think it affected him a little more, because he felt like Luna was a shared experience between you two. I know he's talked about Luna quite a bit. I think the concern about Desin also has him a little more emotional. I hope that Floki's keeping you in good company. He sounds like a good companion in your time of need. Jisto asked me to reply to you, since he's been so involved with Desin's care. As well as working on the new findings with this discovered object, he's returned with. He has had his terminal at the clinic for when Dizon is sleeping. I know he feels bad for being away for so long, and I think he's trying to make up for lost time. I know that his father and I are both glad to have him here. I do worry that he's following in his father's wake with how much work he's been putting in with this new discovery. And soon, maybe I will be visiting both of them in the infirmary. Justo would want me to update you on the discovery. The satellite has been returned to the Laar laboratory, and our scientists have already begun the analysis. I have been working to relay information between Gisto and the team. We've been attempting to transcribe all of the markings on the outside of the device. It would appear that many of those phrases resemble some of our ancient texts. According to what we know, this device fell to Vela about 500 rotats ago. But at that time, no one on this planet could have built such an object. Analysis on the markings shows that they're quite similar to those on the device that fell in La'ar over 2500 rotats ago. The older artifact appears to be a land-based device, but this new discovery more resembles our modern orbital satellites than anything on the ground. It is not unreasonable to suspect a connection between them, which we'll investigate. This older object has been in a museum for many rotats, with nothing new believed to be discovered from it. It's being packed up and moved to the lab now, so that comparisons may be made more easily. It sounds like you have some important discoveries of your own happening on Hymavina. It feels strange to call it Hymavina now, since we've always just called your planet Vena. But I'm sure you've been over that with Gisto countless times. Sending your people to a different planet must be exciting. I know that Gisto's eyes lit up when I read of it to him. He started asking about the types of rockets and shielding from radiation. I had no idea how to answer. He has sent messages to many of the radio lab personnel inquiring about any news of these missions on your world. It is nice seeing him get excited about something outside of his work. I understand the desire for carefulness on entering your Bradth base. We villains are very cautious by nature feeling the currents ahead of us before proceeding. But your people are also leaping ahead in your discoveries and your technology. I am perhaps envious. Sometimes our caution as a people holds us back. I am sure that Gisto will have many more questions for you next time. I hope I managed to do well with this transmission. The last thing I want to do is let Gisto and Desin down. I feel like they are my school here. My parents passed when I was still young and in my early classes. I was taken in by one of the other scientists and raised in La'ar my whole life. When Dezen brought me on as his assistant, he soon began to treat me as if I were his child. He just don't mean a lot to me, and in that wake, you do as well. Congratulations on 30 rotats of transmissions. I hope that you can imagine all of us here raising our glasses back at you. Be well. Am I.
1: Log Entry, Haimavina 18, 2279, 79th year in the age of ascendance. Hey, hey, Amai. It's very nice to meet you. Thank you for writing to me while Gisto was helping his father. I would have been concerned if there was a gap. I always worry about him working too hard. It's good to know that I'm not alone. I'm also glad to hear there's someone there to help them both. Like father, like son, I guess. I doubt you have let them down. They've both spoken very highly of you. My message for Gisto is after this one. Thank you again, Amai. Hey, hey, Gisto. I'm sorry to hear about your father. Please send my love to him and let him know that I'm thinking about him and I'm sending him well wishes. Hopefully he's already been released from the hospital and has made a full recovery. Speaking from personal experience, I always seem to heal faster when I'm in my own place rather than in a hospital or a clinic, especially when recovering from hypoxia, the machines, the drugs, the treatment rooms. It makes me shudder to think about it and everything seems to make it worse than the initial diagnosis. Nothing is better than my own bed with windows open or out on a segment feeling the crisp sea breeze fill my lungs. Since Anaphial, there's been a spike in the number of hypoxia cases, even at lower elevations like base camp. I've made it a point to visit patients once a month who have been diagnosed with it to help them through the process. I take them up to the rooftop garden, walk the grounds, really anything to get them out of those awful hospital beds and away from the nurses and doctors. I guess you can say it's my celebrity cause. But as you know, for me, this is more personal. Sometimes knowing that someone else has gone through it before helps. Like, yes, it's normal to feel this way. I tried to bring Luna once, but she was far too much for the patience. She was not, well, she was not the most well-behaved Farhun. Boundless energy with few boundaries. <laughs> On the other thumb, Floki is a complete gentleman and he is a doll with patience. When you can't breathe, I think it's calming to feel that lean of a giant fur ball against your leg. It just relaxes people. Maybe your father got better because you were by his side, helping him remain calm, and to heal, I like to think of it like that. Well, I have good news. Lars and I got married about a year ago, and we're going to have twins! When we first found out, we were both a bit shocked at the fact that we would have to figure out two babies at the same time. But as we've gotten used to the reality of it, We both think it would be great for the babies to have a sibling. As I've told you before, Mana usually only have one child. Twins are not unheard of, but they're definitely rare. And as the one carrying both, I can say, it's rare. (laughs) At work, it's been fun to watch the JCN stylist try to decide if they want to cover my pregnancy with larger clothing or the studio desk. I finally told them, I'm pregnant. I think it's obvious to the audience too. I'm hardly the first pregnant reporter. They mostly let me do what I want these days, The whole thing with the flutter really broke them. I don't think I've seen my parents this excited since I got into the academy. Lars' mother lives in Hopnina, and so she's always coming by to check on us. His father was a professional segbet racer. He was killed in a crash when he was a kid. The accident pushed Lars to become a Segbet engineer. Anyway. His mother-in-law is very sweet, and she's become fast friends with my mother. I fear the size of the naming ceremony with these two. I was barely showing when they had already picked out a venue. It's probably good that we're having two. This way, they can share. (laughs) Lars and I moved into a larger flat in the same building complex. We liked it here so much, it just made sense. The new place has a private rooftop terrace, more space and rooms, plus a better view. The parents, mine and Lars's mother, have all claimed rooms, saying that's where they will stay when they visit. I want to protest, but free childcare is still free. We have a nanny already lined up, so the parents will be doting grandparents instead of babysitters. Parents. Mm-hmm. These poor kids' feet are probably never gonna touch the ground because they'll be held all the time. Alright. What can I tell you about Braddock? ECal has another launch scheduled this month with equipment that can work in that low gravity airless environment. Amusingly, even with all of ECal's planning and preparations, my sources say that they almost forgot to test some of the equipment. Talk about plugging random power sources into things. ECAL is boosting several prefabricated shelters up to Braddock, similar to the ones we use above Base Camp, but with additional radiation shielding, airlocks, and some light armor plating to protect the hulls. The idea is to give researchers a place to base their operations out of and store equipment until they can get into the facilities, assuming the station is safe and operational. There are a lot of if and maybe scenarios being discussed within ECAL and the broader community right now. Perhaps more interesting are the findings that we have found down here on Hymovina. While Anifjall did destroy the ancient Mana data center, it also melted a lot of ice and exposed a complex of buildings that had been previously covered by the glaciers. EC has surveyed the site with aerial imaging, but nobody has been up to the site yet. In part because the area is still geologically unstable, even several years later. And perhaps more worryingly, the hypoxia problem I mentioned earlier remains an issue. EC will figure it out eventually. I'll keep you in the loop. Sending healing waves to you and your father, Iria.
2: Log entry, Vela 18, Vela Rotat 2601, cycle three of the fourth annul. Dear soon-to-be mother of twins, Iria, I am beyond excited at the news that you will be giving forth twins. As you know, multiple births are very common here on Vela. Of course, it comes with the help of multiple fathers. It's still very special to welcome more than one child, and I'm sure it's even more wondrous if twins are as rare for your people as you say. I'm very happy that you and Lars are together and making a school for yourself. I am not sure how far along you are with child. Or children, for that matter. But I would hope that in the two rotats that have passed since you wrote, that they are healthy and causing you all the trouble that a young manna can give. How was your naming ceremony? Is it too late to make suggestions? The two rocky bodies around Vela are named Chone and Chona, which roughly translates to brother and sister. Get it? They're twins. I guess that wouldn't work if you had two boys, or two girls, though. I wish there was a way that you could send pictures over these transmissions. I would love to have seen all of the festivities. Maybe someday. Father is doing much better now. He still has to visit the clinic every now and then, but that's normal for a villain of his age. I think the stress of past events and all that he has been doing just got to him and he's started to give out. My being off on the mission for the DC didn't help either. It was rough the first few annuals. There are still tensions between the sects, but at least we are starting to work together. The new work on the larger greenhouses in Senoth has seemed to open the eyes of Chonar and let them know that we don't want to be threatened by them anymore. Now they are asking to be brought in on the new technology and a new avenue of trade has been opened. Please thank your parents for that. They even named the first one the Neuf Park Ceremonial Gardens. I have decided to stay in Laar for now. It wasn't a hard move this time since I knew that my travels with the DC would be long. I had already moved out of my flat in CNR, and all of my things have been in storage. I scheduled it all to be moved here, and I got a new place not too far from my old flat at the Radio Labs building. The view is better. I have a real balcony now and not just a window ledge. Amai has been helping me bring some of my old stuff over from father's place, including my old transmitter. Even with all of its upgrades, it still looks so ancient. Maybe I should donate it to the museum. We are still in awe over your missions to Braddeth. Most of our work on getting a Velan into space has been stalled. This new artifact discovery has all of the scientists' attention. That, and they're finally looking to rebuild the launch facilities at Train OR. The shelters that you mentioned sound a lot like the capsules that we used when recovering the satellite from below the ocean. We knew that it was deep enough that the compression would be harmful, so the researchers designed some small habitats that could be sunk to withstand the pressure and provide air to breathe while down there. I can only imagine how scary it must be for your people to step outside of one of those shelters to little or no atmosphere, just to wiggle the keys on a lock and hope that it opens. What is the air quality on Braddeth? Is there a way to filter it? This also got me thinking about your hypoxia issues. When we were diving, our scientists developed an apparatus that we used to filter the breathable air from the water around us. The process separates the air from the fuel and uses that fuel to power the device. It wasn't very big, but it still allowed us to stay below for longer periods of time. Larger versions were attached to the habitats to filter air for the teams inside. Thankfully, I only had to go down there once. It was a little claustrophobic. I know that your teams near the volcanoes aren't surrounded by water but perhaps the ice there could be filtered it would allow your teams to do more research in the area without the worry of hypoxia the rest of my time here when i'm not constantly checking up on the status of your missions has been spent analyzing the results of the recovered satellite as amai mentioned we found a link to the land-based device that was until recently sitting in a museum many of the markings on both devices depict what could be a person throwing a spear or a lance with a half moon behind them. There's also some writing that is similar to each other. The writing from the satellite matches the land device in form, but the only references we have found come from old Velentex about the artifact that turned out to be this land device. The amazing thing happened when we started applying power to the satellite. The land-based device activated. It wasn't much, probably because of the low charge in the batteries, but it was enough to cause a few lights to turn on and a small dish at the top to twitch. When we applied a light charge to the systems in the older artifact, sure enough, they started to communicate. As soon as we started seeing data flow back and forth between the two devices, all of the scientists began cheering. A wave of excitement flowed over us. The next thing that happened was probably even more amazing. Amai kissed me. I guess I was too swamped with work and other events to notice, but Amai has always been there for me. When this happened, it was like the storm clouds lifted and the seas calmed. Everything just became more focused, just like the satellite and the land device. When the right charge was applied, everything washed ashore. Since then, we have gone out a few times. She has helped to keep me focused on work, but not too much an appropriate distraction for when I need it. It's amazing to have two discoveries, scientific and personal, all at the same time. Please send detailed descriptions of the babies. May the waves guide us. Gisto.
0: You have been listening to an episode of Binary Saga. The part of Gisto has been read by Steve Petricelli. Iria is read by Vanessa Shannon Anderson. Amai is read by Sarah Boyle. Music by Eric Matias and soundimage.org. For more information, visit BinarySaga.com.